0: And before I dive into the message today, I just want to say, y'all, God has been doing some awesome stuff on Sunday morning. Amen. Amen? Amen. He's been doing some awesome stuff on Sunday morning. And so if you have not been here, maybe you're new with us. If you didn't catch the Hosea series, I really believe that anybody that did not get that series needs to go back and watch that. So if you're new, you're visiting or maybe you missed several weeks. Uh, We just finished a series two weeks ago called When God Doesn't Make Sense. And I think that it was so applicable to our life right now because nothing in our world makes sense. And so this was like how you deal with life when life doesn't make sense. And it seems like God doesn't make sense. If you missed that, I want to encourage you to go back and watch those from the start to finish. And then last week was so cool. If you missed last week, our deacons actually spoke last week and they shared their heart with you. And I I told my dad it was the biggest altar call that I've seen. I don't even need to preach anymore. Let's just get the deacons up there. Let the deacons talk and then and do, do an altar call. It was so, there was such a sweet spirit in the room. You could hear their heart. You could feel their heart as they were sharing. Would you give it up for our deacons? So today we're starting a brand new series of messages that I'm very, very pumped about. It's going to be a series like we've never really done before. And so you hear that a lot because I like to do things that we've never really done before. But if you're taking notes, the title to the series is going to be The Timeline. Everybody say The Timeline. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a journey together as a church and we're gonna walk through the, the, the most incredible timeline known to humankind. And that is the timeline from the, the, the time that Jesus was born or the time that he was conceived up to the time that he was resurrected. We're gonna finish this thing on Easter. It's gonna be four weeks. The timeline is gonna be starting today and going all the way up to resurrection on Easter. And you do not wanna miss any of it. It's gonna be awesome. I'm pumped. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna use clips of, uh, the chosen and I'm going to use clips of some, some different videos that you see with Jesus and, and uh, all, of the, all of those people and we're going to have those during this thing but here's the point of this message series I want you to understand the heart of Jesus I want you to understand exactly what he did for you on the cross and what that means for you personally. And I want us together as we're growing spiritually, as we're trying to mature, to grow and move forward as a church, because when we understand what he did, when we understand the power that he's given us, when we understand what we received through his death, his blood, his resurrection, there is power in that. Amen. Amen. And so we're gonna take this journey together. I'm so pumped. Today, we're gonna start on kind of a unique note For today's message, we're looking at a character in the story of Jesus whose whole job was preparing the way for the Lord. In fact, it's possible some scholars say that besides Jesus, this man was most likely the second most important man in the Gospels. Can anybody tell me who we're talking about today? John the Baptist. So if you're taking notes, we're going to dig into the ministry of John the Baptist because you can't really talk about Jesus without talking about John. John prepared the way for Jesus. And so if you're taking notes, the title to today's message, the the timeline is the series. The title to today's message is Preparing the Way. Now, when I say John the Baptist, I want to clarify. When I say John the Baptist, I don't mean that he was a Baptist. Okay? There wasn't denominations in those days. And if John was going to be a denomination, it definitely wouldn't be Baptist. And I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was Pentecostal. And so uh, I don't know if he would have been AG, UPC, non-denominational, I I can't say what he was, but he was definitely filled with the Holy Spirit. You see that right here in Luke chapter one and verse 15, it says he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And we're going to dig into that in just a minute. So when you talk about John the Baptist, I don't mean he was a Baptist. If we call them, you know, something common today, it would be more like John the Baptizer. In fact, when you watch videos, most of the time they don't call him John the Baptist. We see that a lot in scripture, but they called him John the Baptizer. And that was because he wasn't known for being a Baptist. He was known for baptizing people in water. Amen? And so this is what we're going to talk about today. I'm so pumped about where we're going. Let me paint you kind of a picture of John the Baptist. And and let me paint you a picture because it's so funny when I said that he's really, really important, like probably the second most important person in the Gospels. It's funny to me because pretty much I don't think that John could have got any speaking engagements at any church. He was a really, really important guy, but if he was to call me up and be like, hey, Josh, this is John the Baptist. I was wondering if maybe I could speak at your church. It would really have to be the Holy Spirit Leading and guiding that. I'm going to tell you why. Let me paint you a picture of who John the Baptist was. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It says this In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. Now look at verse 4. John's clothes were woven from camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist, and for food he ate locusts and wild honey. So let me paint you a picture. Okay, close your eyes real quick. How do you view John the Baptist? He's kind of a homeless guy in the wilderness, okay? And around his body is this thick camel hair with a belt around his waist. And he's walking through, crunching on locusts and has a handful of honey. This is is John the Baptist. This is the second most important guy in the scripture. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe that was just kind of normal back in that day. The reason that they paint this picture in scripture is because that was not normal at all. This was the guy that moms, if you saw him in a crowd of people and John the Baptist is coming through and you got your kids kind of around you, you're gonna go grab their hands and you're just gonna kind of watch him pass, not take your eyes off of him. And he's screaming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He's preaching this, this message of Jesus. They don't know who Jesus is. He just sounds like a crazy madman. And so you're grabbing your kids and you're walking away. That is a picture of who John the Baptist was. And this is who God used. I love that God used as the most unusual people. Amen, amen. Don't point at me. <laughs> I know you was thinking about it. God loves to use the most unusual people to do the most awesome things. So John had this specific ministry and he had a very specific purpose. And so as we dive into all of this John the Baptist, I want to use a clip from The Chosen today to, we're going to break it up into three clips, and it's when Nicodemus comes to talk to John the Baptist and ask him some questions, and we're going to go ahead and and do the first clip. Andrew, if you'll, or whoever's back there. going to need some volume.
1: Well,
0: you are supposed to be the powerful one.
1: Yet you are more am. Can you maybe restart it, it and I crank am. up the volume
0: some more? Thank you.
1: You are supposed to be the powerful one. Yet, you are more frightened here than I am. Are you the one they call John the Baptizer?
0: So I'm going to dig into that in just a minute. I have questions for you about miracles. That is a little clip real quick of John the Baptist. Now, the reason that Nicodemus, this is important. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Everybody say Pharisee. Pharisee. Now, the reason that Nicodemus, he calls him the the high one, uh, is is okay with coming to John the Baptist and asking him this question. I have questions about miracles is because John the Baptist has now built this reputation. He doesn't just have a reputation of the camel hair. And just have a reputation of the locust and honey, but he has a reputation because mass crowds of people are now coming to John the Baptist because they're hearing this message of Jesus and the Messiah coming, and that it has been quoted and prophesied that the Messiah was going to come. And John the Baptist is sharing with them that the Messiah is coming, and that we need to get prepared for the Messiah. And for those of you that choose the Messiah, I'm going to baptize you into that. And so he's he's answering questions that the Bible has given. So Nicodemus comes. To him now he's coming to him because he's seen a miracle, but he doesn't know who to go to because you can't go to a Pharisee. They don't know anything about miracles. He goes to John the Baptist and he's looking to get some answers for what he's going through. So in this timeline, I want I want us to start with some points this morning, points from the life of John the Baptist and what we see in John the Baptist. Number one in your notes is this. John the Baptist was born with a specific purpose. Everybody say specific purpose. If you never read the birth in the story of John the Baptist, I'm gonna give you a really quick Josh Polk version, Luke chapter one. This is so cool. So John the Baptist, his father's name is Zechariah. Everybody say Zechariah. Zechariah. And his mother's name is Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is barren, she cannot have children. And so they begin to get old and they've went through all of their lives together and she doesn't have any children. And this angel comes to Zechariah while he's a priest, while he's in the temple and he's praying An angel comes to him and he tells him, hey, I want you to know that we're about to, you're about, your wife is about to get pregnant in her old age and she's going to give birth to a son and I want you to name him John. And so Zachariah just kind of chuckles, huh, you realize we're getting old. I don't know, you know, we... It, it, He's having that conversation with the angel and the, he has doubts. He questions the angel and because he questions the angel, what happens is the angel makes him mute where he cannot speak. And he cannot speak until his son, John is born. And so then you get to uh, same chapter, chapter one, verse 26. We get into the second part of this and uh, Elizabeth is now six months pregnant. She's, she's beginning to get a you know, little kicking and moving around and all that. Elizabeth is six months pregnant. And an angel comes to Mary, who is Elizabeth's cousin, and tells Mary that she is about to give birth to a son. And it's going to be the son of God. She's going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to a son, and she has to call him Jesus. She got angels that are naming the Messiah and John the Baptist. That's cool. And so she has to call him Jesus. And then the angel says, by the way, your cousin, Elizabeth, she's also, I know she's getting old but she's pregnant too. Matter of fact, she's six months pregnant. She's getting ready to, you know, to, to, to have this baby. And so uh, you are, y'all are gonna have this babies together. And so Elizabeth, if you go to Luke chapter one, and let's jump down to verse 39. It says a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Listen to this, this is so cool at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? Wow. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Listen, when John the Baptist encountered Jesus for the very first time and they were both in their mother's belly. John was six months. I don't know how big a fetus is at six months. We're gonna go with like this size. You know how big Jesus was? Jesus was about this size because he's only like three or four or five days old at this point. But that's the power that's in Jesus. Y'all he's this big and he encounters John for the first time. And John leaps within his mother's belly and him and mom are both filled with the Holy Spirit. Y'all that's cool. So let's, let's dive into this. Um, What was his purpose? He leaps and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Not many of us, maybe none of us can say that we were filled with the Holy Spirit before we was even born. That's John. That's his calling. That's his purpose. And so let's dig into his purpose. Luke chapter one. We're going to go back up a few verses. Verse 17. It says he will be a man with the spirit of Elijah. And y'all remember who Elijah is? is. This is no joke. Elijah is the guy that called fire down from heaven to burn up the sacrifice and all of the water after they dumped Tons and tons of water on the sacrifice. This is the same Elijah that took his tunic and tucked it into his belt and took off running and outran the chariots under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to get back home before this storm came. This is the power that he's talking about. The power, he's gonna be filled with the Holy Spirit and have the power of Elijah. And then it gives his calling. Verse one and 17, he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He was filled with the spirit before he was born. He was given his calling before he was born. As a matter of fact, it was already prophesied about John the Baptist coming in Isaiah chapter 40 in verse 3. It says, listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make straight away through the wasteland for our God. Then we see in Luke chapter 3 in verse 3, that's exactly what John is doing the Bible says when John went from place to place, both sides of the Jordan River, what did he do? He was preaching and getting people prepared. telling them to repent of their sins and turn to God. Now, I have to say, y'all, what's happening here with John is so significant. And I think some, so many times we forget how significant this is. John's ministry literally broke 400 years of silence in the church. Now, walk with me. If you know your Bible at all, if, you, if you've read your Bible or you know all of the Bible stories, here's, I'm going to give you a really quick breakdown of the beginning over to where we're at right now. So in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. And then uh, he, he let, he, they had to get out of the garden. And then the next big name is Abraham. And Abraham, the father of many nations, he, he begins his, his people with the people of Abraham. He puts his stamp of approval. This is my people. I'm blessing Abraham and his seed. And so we have Abraham and then through Jacob, we see Israel is, 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 um, is uh, uh, put together right there with, with the, the people of Israel come through Jacob. And then you see the people of Israel begin to have judges and this is God's people, his people. Everybody say his people. his people. And so the people of Israel are his people and they begin to have judges and they have good judges and they have stupid judges because they have people as judges. And so these judges begin to judge the people and then judges aren't enough. And they want kings. And so then they ask God for a king and they ask God for a king and he gives them their first king. King Saul. And then they go through tons of kings, lots and lots and lots of bad kings, some good kings, but they go through all of these kings. And then after you go through all of the kings and you go through uh, Babylon coming and taking Israel out of their home because God gave all these messages to Israel that if you'll follow me, I'll be I'll be your God and you'll be my people. But if you don't, then I'm going to let your enemies come get you. And so Babylon comes and, and, and they take over. And then Nehemiah, which we looked at a little bit last week, comes and he brings them back to their land. And here's the big thing. Then we get to this part of the Bible called the major and the minor prophets. And this is huge, y'all. You have all throughout the story of 1st and 2nd Kings, all of these prophets, Isaiah. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. I said all that to say there's a lot of them. And their job is to try to show Israel the way. Give Israel the word from God. God gives them a word. They give it to Israel. And most of the time, Israel chooses not to follow it. So you have God given this prophetic word that if you obey me, if you turn to me, then you'll be my people and I'll be your God and they'll turn to him and then they turn away from him and then he's got to give another word. Then, so all throughout this time, you see all of this going on. You see all of these words from God, miraculous signs, boom, boom, boom. God using the prophets to do all of these cool things. You see, they prophesy that Jesus is coming in Isaiah. He gives that prophetic word. And then you get to this place where there's 400 years where it's almost like there is no longer a God. He's no longer speaking to his people. Israel is under Roman rule and there's there's, there's nothing going on. People are listening. They're wondering why God is not. The the last big thing that they got was that there was going to be a Messiah. They don't know what, what they're thinking is a physical Messiah, like the kings that they've had in the past. They're thinking this is going to be this king. And he's going to come up like David did and God's going to anoint him. We're going to wipe out Rome and we're going to be the, the, the gladiators and we're going to you know, move on. That's in their thoughts what they're thinking. And so John the Baptist comes and he begins to share of this Messiah. So, so cool. He had a specific purpose to prepare the way for Jesus after 400 years of silence. Y'all, that's huge. How would you like to have that kind of pressure on you? It's huge. Now, can I stop and bring this home to you right now real quick? John the Baptist had a specific purpose. His purpose was to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And just like John the Baptist had a specific purpose, God has a specific purpose for literally every single person in this room. And if you don't know your purpose, let me give you a piece of it. You ready? A piece of your purpose is the exact same purpose that John the Baptist had. John was preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. And Jesus has anointed his people to prepare the way for the second coming of the Lord. Amen? The truth is, this has been prophesied about over and over again. Jesus is going to come back for his people. And if Jesus is going to come back for his people, then what needs to happen is the church needs to get really, really busy about sharing Jesus and loving on people with Jesus and ministering for Jesus. Just like John the Baptist was really, really busy taking his purpose and going out there and preach and sharing the word of Jesus and giving and ministering. The church of Jesus Christ needs to get really, really busy if we really believe that he's coming back. And if we don't believe that he's coming back, we might as well just give up and do something else. Amen? Amen. Our purpose is just like John the Baptist. And the best place for us to start is at our homes, in our jobs, with our families, with our neighbors, with people that we know. Literally, listen to me, nothing on earth that I do Matters more than what I do when I fulfill this purpose. And this is why I asked you last week to take one of these cards. And if you didn't take one of these cards, this is one of the ways. I'm not saying it's the only way, but this is one of the ways that we fulfill this purpose. If you don't know what this card is, let me share with you really quick. This is one of the things that we do here at Kloss and we have what's called a four, three, two, one. And what this is is there's cards all over the altar. We started last week. The very first week what we do is we ask God to identify people in our lives that are lost that he's getting us ready to prepare the way for them. He's getting us ready. He's he's we're praying and we're saying, "Lord, I love this person. They're lost. This person, I know this person and they're lost." Who is three people? That I can begin to pray for, that I can begin to reach out to, that I can begin to love on. And then as God gives us those people, we write them down. And then week two, here's what we do. We initiate contact with them. So what does that look like? I send them a text, a Facebook message. I, I create some kind of open door of contact, especially if I don't contact them every day. Then week three, what we do is we do something nice for them. We invest in them. Why do we invest in them? Because that is what Jesus does. That is what he did. He went, he didn't just go and preach. He healed people and he fed people, thousands of people. And he, he used his ministry and his resources to love on the community and show people the goodness of God. And so what do we do? We invest in people. And then after we invest in people, we invite people. Why? Because we've prayed for them. We've loved on them. We've initiated contact with them. All throughout this process, we've been praying for them. And then we ask them to come into the presence of God with us. You don't have to say that, especially if they're lost. You say, hey, you want to join me for Easter? Because uh, we got 10,000 eggs and your kids might like eggs. And then your hope is not that they come get eggs because nobody cares about eggs. Your hope is that they come and they encounter Jesus Christ in the presence of God. That is why we do what we do, why? Because John the Baptist, he, he was preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. And just like he was preparing the way for the coming of the Lord, it is yours and my job to prepare the way for the second coming of the Lord. If I believe that with all of my heart that Jesus is coming for his people and he's judging everyone else, and those people that are not his people are going to hell, then my life's mission should be to get as many of those people as I can over on this side. Amen. I've seen this quote, and I'm going to read it to you real quick. The problem is not that we don't have God's given purpose. The problem is that so oftentimes we refuse to embrace it and dedicate our lives to it. And it leads me to point number two in your notes. Point number two, John the Baptist gave his life for this purpose. Everybody say this was no joke. To him, this was no joke. When John discovered why he was created, he dedicated his entire life fully to that purpose. Now, so many times, here's what we do. We overcomplicate things. We make things too difficult. We like wait on this audible voice from God. Lord, I want you to do what you've called me to do. I'm I'm spending 52 hours a week in my prayer closet and I just want you to speak to me. If you can tell me where I'm called, then I'll get up and I'll do what you've called me to do. And nine times out of 10, we don't get no audible voice. Amen? And here's the thing. He's literally already told us what to do. You don't have to have an audible voice. You got this thing. You got the Holy Spirit inside of you that leads you and guides you and prompts you and sends you on your way. You don't need God to say, get up and go be an evangelist or get up and go be a preacher. Or, get up and go be an engineer or whatever it is. You look for God to open doors and you ask for peace as you walk through the things that he asks you to do. And you live your life for Jesus every single day. John gave his life for this purpose. Eight words that he was known for. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And boy, was he spot on. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Even in the face of imprisonment and harassment and jail, John never took his eyes off of the prize. I wanna go back to that clip real quick and I wanna show you Nicodemus asked John this question, tell me about your ministry. And, and I want you to hear his answer, go ahead. Nicholas. Yes, John,
1: signs and wonders. From whom? You. <laughs> are you adding those to my list of infractions? Only a fantasy. You would have labeled Moses a lunatic for talking to a shrub. Do you consider yourself to be like Moses? (sighs) Tell me about your ministry. Do you remember when Caesar traveled through Judea? Yes. He sent all these men to clear logs and debris for the coming king. Make straight the way for the king, they'd shout. Prepare the way. The roads in Jerusalem do not have the same problem, but I remember the visit. I had to move. Romans aren't kind to the homeless, lost all my possessions. Many in Jerusalem were frightened as well. Oh, and they were lucky to have you to comfort them. For a price, of course. Should we be clearing the road for you, John? At the point of this story. I don't like your frock. The cost of the vestments alone could feed three children in Nazareth for a month. Do you hail from Nazareth? Hmm? In Jericho, in Bethlehem, Jaffa, Hebron. I see. Well, you have a new home now. <laughs> Whatever your mission was, I hope you completed it. But you are here to ask about miracles. But first... I wanted to tell you of a miracle that I've seen, but cannot comprehend. And then to make accusations. This is pointless. Clearly, you are not a frothing madman, but every bit as unreasonable. You imprison me and accuse me of being ill-tempered. I am not your captain. Do you not understand? This is a Roman cell. I came here to speak to the warden on your behalf. On my behalf. Why are you really here, old man? The official reason? You are a Jewish citizen. If you have broken Jewish really? law, it sets a dangerous precedent to allow Rome to adjudicate. Uh, and the real reason? The truth? I am far from home. I am looking and... Places I would never go because I am searching for an explanation for something I, I cannot unsee. No one else knows you here.
0: Tell me from the beginning. Nicholas. Do you hear John the Baptist's purpose in what he was telling him? He was giving him a story about Caesar clearing the road. What he was telling him is, I'm clearing the way for the Messiah. But him and Jesus both, they didn't speak plainly to the Pharisees. Typically, when they spoke to the Pharisees, you see that in both of their ministries. But here's the thing. He stayed on task. Now, point number two was John the Baptist gave his life for this purpose. He stayed on task. He continued to preach and speak even though Nicodemus knew the scriptures and he knew that that, that Jesus was coming and this Messiah was coming and that somebody was coming to make straight the way for the king. Nicodemus, um, I mean, uh, John literally told him from scripture, "That's that's what I'm doing. This was prophesied. That's what I'm doing. And Nicodemus still didn't understand because he didn't understand the kind of king that was coming. Listen, we can learn so much here from John. The truth is, when we begin to do what God has called us to do, when I I begin to work in my purpose, when I begin to share Jesus's love, when I begin to share um, him with people and show people that I'm not the same person that I used to be, then what happens is when people begin to get curious, you know who they come to? They come to people that are talking about what God is doing when they get curious. And you know, we can learn so much from John because he never like, you know, oh, this is a big shot coming in to talk to me. I'm not, I'm, I'm just gonna tell him straight how it is. I, th- I can think about so many times when I first became a Christian and I wish that I would have had the boldness that I have now because there was so many open doors where God opened up a door for me to share with somebody my purpose and what he's done in me and I did not walk through the door. I remember I was saved for probably about 18 months. And there was a guy that come to talk to me and hang out with me and they weren't Christians. I didn't have any Christian friends after, before I got saved. Um, but after I got saved, you know, working in the church, I still have a bunch of unchristian friends that I'm, uh, I, uh, they, they come to me and talk to me. And so this guy comes in and I knew he was like anti-Jesus and anti all of that. And he's got a couple buddies with him. And he says, Josh, let me ask you a question. You don't really believe all of that, you know, all that Jesus stuff, I know you got a job in the church or whatever, but like, I mean, you're not like, you're not one of those crazy, like, he gave me this opportunity and I had a lot of respect for this person and I didn't want him to think that I was nuts. (laughs) And God opened this door and I failed. And what I said was, yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe, I believe. Hey man, I gotta go to the bathroom real quick. And I went to the bathroom and I walked out because I was shaking. Because I wanted that guy to respect me. It was so stupid. I was like 19, 20 years old. What should I have done? Do you realize what God did in my life? God had just saved me, He had saved my marriage. He'd given me two beautiful children. He had got me out of all of the addictions that I was in and I couldn't even be proud about the God that I served. I walked away with my head down in shame. I can think of multiple times that I regret that I did something stupid like that when God opened up a door for me. What am I saying to you? I'm saying, church, we literally hold the key to everything. Jesus is the key to my salvation. He's not just the key to my salvation. He's the key to my happiness. He's the key to my freedom. He is the key to everything good in my life. Why would I not want to share the truth with other people? Don't be ashamed of who you are in Christ. Learn more about who you are in Christ. Understand who you are in Christ and be proud of who you are in Christ. God's given you that purpose. Amen. John never, he gave his life for this purpose, no matter who it was coming to him or talking to him, he was making straight the way for the king. And I wanna encourage you, let's learn our lessons from John. You have the answer and be the answer. The church needs to step up and be the answer to the world that the world has. The world's got all kinds of problems, y'all. Do you realize we literally hold the answer? If the church would be the church that Jesus has called us to be, we would be the answer. Amen? Amen. Mm, that's hurt, that hurts. Number three. I've been saying this all day, but I'm going to close it up with this. John's purpose is still alive today in you. And I told you earlier that I was going somewhere very specific. John's ministry was for 2,000 years ago. And his ministry was to prepare the way for Jesus. Your ministry is for right now. Everybody say, right now. You and me should be preparing the way for our children. We should be preparing the way for our spouses. We should be preparing the way for our neighbors. We should be preparing the way for people at the coffee shop when they get to know us and we build a relationship with them. We should be preparing the way if I'm truly not ashamed of who I am in Jesus Christ. I should be preparing the way for him, for each and every person that he opens a door for me to talk to. Sometimes I do that with my words and sometimes I do that with my actions. John's purpose was to prepare the way for the first coming. Your purpose is is to prepare the way for the second coming. John's purpose, well, Jesus' first coming was to come to be our Savior. The second coming is to come to be our judge. And that's huge, y'all. For your family, for my family, for our loved ones, he's coming to be our judge. And the best place for us to start fulfilling our purpose is with the people that we already have relationships with. I want to give you this Third clip, and as they're playing it, Ban, would you guys step up and come join me up on the stage? Multiple demons. I
1: saw it myself. They jeered at me from inside her mouth. Nothing could be done for her short of a miracle. And she won't say who restored her? He did not reveal his name to her. What? What? It has begun. What has? If he's healing in secret now, the public signs cannot be far off. Public signs? What? You know him. You can say that. What's his name? Who has ascended into heaven and come back? i asked his name. Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Come on, Solomon to me, you wild mongrel. Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Finish No, you answer me first. Teacher of Israel, finish the oracle of Agur, son of Jeke. Who has established all the ends of the earth. What What is his name, and what is the name of his son? Surely you know. You are careless with Torah. God does not have a son except Israel. Israel is his only son. All of us. Suit yourself. They'll put a man to death for blasphemy like that. Who will? You? It'd be a terrible precedent for Rome to adjudicate. Never have come here. All your life you've been asleep. Make straight the way for the king. He is here to awaken the earth. But some will not want to awaken, they're in love with the dark. I wonder which one you'll be. Now, if this man is anything like you believe, or if he exists at all, you should leave this region. Your presence alone puts him in danger. If you think he needs my help, you've heard nothing.
0: This clip is so powerful to me because can you imagine being John the Baptist spending your whole stinking life? Make straight the way for the king, baptizing for the king, the king, the king, the king, the king. And then you're sitting in jail and this guy comes to you and he says, I saw this woman and she was full of demons and this guy cast him out. Your ministry, what you've prepared, what you have done has fully come to fruition and the king is here. Can you imagine? being John the Baptist, I I get that feeling every time that I preach or every time that I talk to someone and they decide that they no longer want to live for themselves, but they want to live for Jesus and they want to give their life to Jesus. What I see is the ministry that God has put inside of me coming out and in fruition in somebody else. There's not a better feeling than that. You knowing that God has given you a purpose and you using your purpose to share Jesus' love with somebody and watching their life transform. Woo! That's better than any car that you can buy me. That's better than any house that I can live in. When I know that somebody just went from hell to heaven, from death to life, from torment to peace. It doesn't get any better than that. Can I be honest with you? God wants to use you to do that. You, everybody say me. Well, I don't talk well. That's okay, you can love people. He wants to use you to do that, but it's completely up to you. Would you stand with me this morning? In just a second, we're going to play a worship song. And as they're getting ready to play, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Worship team, would you step out and would you, I mean, I mean, uh, altar team, would you step out and would you come to the front? Listen, would you, would you give the Holy Spirit five minutes before you take off? If you're here, just close your eyes, give the Holy Spirit five minutes before you take off. Let's give them one song. And here's what I wanna ask you to do during this song. One of a couple of different things. Number one, if you're here and you did not get a card last week and you wanna get a card and you wanna do what God has put you on the earth to do and you wanna try to work on some of your family, friends, neighbors, whatever that looks like, you wanna go through this process with us in just a minute, would you come and get a card and begin to pray that God would lead you in who it is that he wants you to begin to reach? Secondly, if you're here, every head bowed and every eye closed and you need any kind of prayer, whether that's prayer for healing, whether that's prayer we've, God's been speaking a lot this morning about joy and freedom. If you're here and you need joy, if you're here and you need freedom and you need the Holy Spirit to give you that joy and give you that freedom, I promise you, He will. If you need prayer in just a second, would you come and get it? If you're here, and you know that you're not right with Jesus Christ, listen, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to tell you about what he's done in my life. I'm no longer ashamed. God changed everything in my life. I come to him broken and weary and in a horrible place and he's restored everything for me and he'll do it for you too. In just a minute, if you wanna give your life to him, I'm gonna be right down here. I'd love to pray with you and walk you through some of that. And then lastly, if you're here and you just wanna spend some time alone with Jesus, maybe you wanna bend down at an altar, maybe you wanna find a corner, whatever that looks like, can we go one song? Right now, if you need prayer, if you wanna come pray with me, if you wanna get a place alone with the Lord or if you wanna come get one of these cards as we sing this song, would you step out and come right now?